Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The sun is out, the players are ready, and the first Grand Slam tournament of 2016 is about to get underway. Will it be Novak yet again? Another for Federer? A first for Murray? Will Serena continue to conquer? Or could Victoria Azarenka make the ultimate comeback? One thing we do know is that Leighton Hewitt will play for the last time here, and Catherine Whitaker, he will be missed, won't he? Oh, he certainly will be. I mean, ev- everything is sort of uh, gearing up for the end of Hewitt's career, isn't it? I mean, he's he's scripted it perfectly. His 20th Australian Open, um, which is extraordinary to think. I mean, even Roger Federer, this is only his 17th. Leighton Hewitt, this will be his 20th Australian Open, which is just unbelievable, really. And uh, yet he's drawn a fellow Aussie in the first round, though. That's not quite according to script. What do you make of that? It's um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because And also, I think Leighton Hewitt has had a number of difficulties in recent years in closing out really tight matches. He's often mm. gone ahead and then been pegged back and ended up losing a close one. I mean, crikey, if he were to lose to James Duckworth in the first round, that would be... That would be a heavy blow, wouldn't it? Because he, he's desperate, is Hewitt, to, to have a bit of a run here. I mean, have you seen some of the videos he's been posting of, of his off-court training in the run-up to this? I mean, the guy is just... Oh, I sure What have. is he doing? And the, and the video of him training with Federer as well, that brought a little bit of a tear to my eye. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not one for social media gimmicks usually, but uh, the Australian Open have created a Leighton Hewitt emoji. Have you seen that? I'm very excited about it. I have. Yes, I have seen that. I, I don't really understand emojis. It's a bit like GIFs. I, don't, I'm, I just can't get my head around it. I'm still trying to get my head around, um, what was it, NK Rising. You know, I, I just oh. don't get it. I'd like, I'd like my own, though, you know. Uh, if, we, if anybody fancies coming up with a, a hashtag for me, um, maybe... Yeah, so you could sign off all of your apology messages with that hashtag. Yeah, sort of DL disappointing <laughs> or DL um, procrastinating or something like that. You, you come up with whatever you like, listeners, at Tennis Podcast. A hashtag for me. No, I don't think that's going to take off somehow. Um, now, today, we've had a, a very... 
exciting final day of qualifying, Catherine Whitaker. A number of really interesting results took place. There was one with that young American, Taylor Fritz. He was down four love in the final set, I'm told. Came back to win, so he's qualified. He now plays Jack Sock in the first round. Imagine that, the two young Americans playing each other. And Ryan Harrison, do you remember him? Remember when he used to be a young American? He was way down in his match and managed to come back and, uh, and win a thriller. And of course, from a British perspective... Dan Evans has qualified. Dan Evans has qualified and he's won himself a first round match against Feliciano Lopez, which uh, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be prepared to really have a go in that one. I'm pleased for Dan Evans. You know, he could just as easily have crashed out in the first round of qualies as he has done getting through. But I'm really pleased for him. I know you're particularly pleased for him because you've got a brummy bias going on. Uh, that's absolutely right. Uh now, I should say, today's my first day in Melbourne. I actually went out to the courts to watch some of that match. And crikey, you know what it's like, Catherine. I've been wandering around Melbourne Park, feeling like I'm in some sort of twilight zone. You know, my, I don't really want to look at this, the sun very closely. I've got my sunglasses on all the time because I've I've done the 24-hour flight. I don't really know what the day it is. And it, God, it feels weird, the jet lag. You know, I've been coming here for about 14 years. It doesn't get any easier. Anyway, this match with Dan Evans and his opponent, uh, Fratangelo the, of the United States. Classic Dan Evans moment. He's at five games all in the first set. He's break point down. He puts this lovely forehand down the line. He gets a defensive response, the sort that you would want in your dreams floating towards him. And for some reason, he thinks it's going out and he lets it go. It lands on his baseline over his head and he has to run back and do the most ridiculous behind-the-back flick you've ever seen in your life to stay in the rally. He ends up winning it and he goes on to win the match. And how's he, how, how do you think he, uh, he celebrated... Um qualifying do you think he's down the pub or do you think he's in the gym he's in the gym Catherine Whitaker this is a new Dan Evans I have you know right. in fact we interviewed him okay. afterwards and uh, he, he, he was making us laugh talking about um, how when he was in this situation two and a half years ago having qualified and won rounds at the US Open you maybe remember he beat Nishikori and Tomic he said to be honest after that I, I almost didn't play for the rest of the year it was almost as though I just thought oh job's done now I've done enough and he said that that's the one thing he intends to learn above all else whatever happens in this first round against Lopez he's going to go straight to Dallas for the next tournament next week and and just keep cracking on I think it I think the penny has dropped that at 25 it's it's pretty much now and ever well he hasn't really got the option well I mean I suppose in theory he has he hasn't really got the option regardless of what he does in Australia of just going oh I'll put my feet up for the rest of the year now because it will be February and presumably he's uh, he's got a living to earn. Yes, I know. It's a bit, a bit frustrating, isn't it? I could quite happily get through the Australian Open and take a few months off, but it doesn't work like that, really, does it? Uh, uh, you're notable by your absence, Catherine Whitaker. Why are you not in Melbourne? Uh, I'm not in Melbourne because, I mean, the weather's just so delightful in London right now. Why would I want to leave? Um, I am in... Uh, still in London because I will be presenting the roundup show for Eurosport uh, over the fortnight, and uh, that involves me being at their studio in Feltham, which is just as glamorous, has just as good brunches, and uh, just as good a climate as Melbourne. I'm reliably informed. Yes.
Yes, ju- just as good. Uh, now, Catherine Whitaker, Nick Kyrgios is uh, is sporting some rather interesting clothing uh, at the Australian Open. Have you have you seen the uh, the sleeves he's been mm. he's been uh, rocking this week? I haven't. I saw a bit of a stir caused by uh, Andy Murray sporting a uh, a sleeveless outfit in some of his promotional material but i have uh, no tell me more about these yeah although i i I mean again i've only seen the sleeves in the promotional uh material for nick kyrgios but yes he was wearing a sleeveless shirt with then almost like he's wearing two of those milos raonic uh sleeves on his forearms more sort of fluorescent colored Uh, whether he actually wears this get up in the matches i don't know uh but certainly like ladies in the 1920s they would wear a sleeveless flapper dress with those long gloves wouldn't they a bit like that yeah nick kiros he 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 really he really sort of reveres andy murray doesn't he why are you doing that david why are you uh why are you trying to wind me up uh, Catherine Whitaker, if you hadn't been following us on Twitter uh, recently, uh, got rather disgruntled when I suggested that Nick Kyrgios reveres Andy Murray. You don't think he reveres anybody, do you? No, I, I, I simply disagreed. I think he has enormous respect for Andy Murray, possibly more than for any other player, probably more than for any other player. But I don't think Nick Kyrgios reveres anybody. I, I think that's far too strong a word. I think he likes and respects him deeply. And that's to his credit, um, but I don't think he reveres him. Actually, you know what? I mean, I, I somewhat dif- differ in opinion on that. But I think, generally speaking, the fact that he doesn't walk around bowing at the feet of everybody he comes across, no matter what they've done, is part of the reason why he's so dangerous, isn't it? He just goes out and he thinks he can beat them all. He's going to be really interesting at this Australian Open. There's no question about that. Murray has drawn Alex Zverev, another very very talented young player 18 years of age from Germany and I mean he's six feet six inches tall I was speaking to a couple of people about him and and oh dear oh dear people are very very impressed with him we're going to be talking to Simon Briggs of the Telegraph of course we're brought to you in association with the Telegraph here on the tennis podcast and we'll be speaking to him in a few moments about Alex Verov he's done a piece on him and um, I don't think Andy Murray will have too much trouble with him personally no, I don't think so either. I'm looking forward to the match just because it will be a good opportunity to see where Alex Verov is at, really. Um, and I enjoy seeing the development of these younger players. And uh, there's no greater test than playing one of the one of the top players. But I think it's, it's definitely too soon for Alex Verov to really be thinking about beating him. But, you know, these young players are fearless. There's no reason why he can't go out there swinging and, you know, possibly win a set, mount a challenge. I certainly could see that within the realms of possibility, but I do think Andy Murray will progress relatively smoothly through to round two. Now, Catherine, we're going to be going for it big style on the old predictions uh, this year, aren't we? We're, we're not only doing Australian Under Open... Under duress, David, yes, under no, duress. No, you love it, Catherine. You know you want to do this. And and we're keeping tally as and everything. We're not going to let you get away with anything this time, Catherine. Don't go burying your head in the sand and pretending it's not happening. We're going to have written evidence of the scores throughout the year. We're going to have student Matt involved. He's going to be taking us on. We're going to have producer Dave. Simon Briggs is going to enter as well. And we are going to go all the way through the 
year. Not only the Australian Open predictions, we've also got all sorts of others uh, for the year in, in total. So we're going to put uh, a page of those together and uh, see... Yeah, we've created who... all sorts of rope to hang ourselves with. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Just, just the way you like it, Catherine. Uh, so we'll be doing that. And uh, let's just get cracking very quickly with just a couple of wee highlights. What, what do you think is going to happen at the Australian Open this next couple of weeks? Who's going to win the title and be in the final? Well, let me just reopen the spreadsheet to remind myself of what I predicted in my uh, in my <laughs> moment of. Um, You've got a spreadsheet. Of, uh, we all have a spreadsheet, David. We all have a spreadsheet. You know, ah. as you said, we're doing this properly this year. There's no way of doing anything properly without a spreadsheet. We're not actually just scribbling it down on the back of an empty. No, no, no. Those those days are gone. Okay. So. Who have I got winning the thing? Well, as I said in the podcast last week, I think it's madness to be predicting anybody but Novak Djokovic to be winning anything just at the moment. So I've got Novak Djokovic. Okay. Who's he beating in the final? I've got him beating Andy Murray in the final. I'm being really imaginative with these. I can see that. Uh, And who's winning the uh, women's tournament? I've got Azarenka winning the women's tournament. This is in danger of getting really boring with every one of us having exactly the same prediction, isn't it? Have you got exactly that? Might do. <laughs> I haven't, okay, I haven't who, have t- beat- who have you got Azarenka beating in the final? I haven't submitted it yet, Catherine Whitaker. There's still time yet. We've still got a day to go oh, until you were the waiting to hear mine. You no. were waiting to hear mine. I see how this is going. No, I just like the ideas to percolate in my head rather than just sort of just splurging them all out in one go. I like to think and uh, and come at this with some strategy. Sure, I see what's happening here. Well, I, I'm not revealing any of mine any longer then. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see what happens with the old uh, predictions competition, Catherine, because I, I was a bit perturbed about the, how you made a bit of a comeback later on in the year. You, you were actually starting to win some of our uh, predictions competitions uh, as, the, as, the week, as the year went on. Uh, but anyway... Another first round, Catherine, that I absolutely love. The, the order of plays just come out for Monday, incidentally. How about this? On the Margaret Court Arena in the evening session, Joe Wilfred Songer against Marcus Bagdatis. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I just absolutely love it. I'm so glad it's been given an evening session uh, spot because it deserves it. And I think that's uh, an example of the, how great the new Margaret Court Arena is that has these evening sessions. And I think... The atmosphere inside there will be sensational. I mean, Marcus Bagdatis is, um, he's a cult, isn't he? A cult, not a cult. A cult in uh, in Australia. He uh, received so much fan support. But then so is Joe Wilfred Songer. Of course, he got to the final back in 2008. I mean, I just think that is going to be spectacular. Yes, I think you're right. Hard to believe that, isn't it? It's 10 years since Marcus Bagdatis reached the final at the Australian Open. I mean, do you remember that? He had the ponytail back then, the big smile and beat Nalbandian and uh, from an impossible position he beat Ivan Lubicic I remember there was almost a bit of crowd trouble between the the Greek and the Croatian fans in the uh, in the crowd on the Rod Laver Arena it was one of those moments wasn't it that you just never forget I mean his career hasn't really taken off since then I mean he had that other good run to the semi-finals of Wimbledon later that year remember if he beat Andy Murray on the way to that but in some ways, I feel as though Marcus Bagdatis' career has been a little disappointment, disappointing, continu- considering just how exciting he was back then. 
Oh, without question. Without question, it's been disappointing. I mean, if you remember the way people were talking about him, he's he's spectacularly talented. He He's a... I mean, they don't have similar playing styles, but he's a Dan Evans in the way that he's very lazily talented. It just sort of oozes out of his pores, doesn't it? Um, and I don't think... I mean, I've got no reason to question his his work ethic. I know he's been blighted by a number of injuries, but so many players have been blighted by injuries. And yes, I mean, that Bagdasis-Songa match is a, is a clash between two players whose peaks occurred at the Australian Open, Bagdasis 06 and Songa 08. But of course, Songa sort of has reached the heights of you know the the top 10 and qualifying for the world tour finals and all of that kind of thing which i think bagdartis should have done at least a bit more of he's just lacked the consistency hasn't he and i do it's a disappointment and a shame for tennis because i don't think there's any crowd in the world that doesn't like watching marcus bagdartis on some kind of form no, he's a trick to watch. And later that year, of course, he played that incredible match against Andre Agassi. I, I always thought that those two had a very similar game style. And, and I, I did hope that Bagdatis would be a, a regular feature of the, the upper echelons of the game and competing with some of the players we see at the top today. But no, it hasn't really happened. A lot of that is, is injury-based as well, of course. And I, I think maybe... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Some. At some points, he's lost a little bit of motivation. But anyway, what a great occasion it will be when he takes on Joe Wilfred Songer to see who goes through to the second round there. We've also got uh, a potential matchup between Ranić and Vavrinka, Catherine, in the last 16. (laughs) Crikey, poor old Stan. I know. Well, student Matt was live tweeting the uh, the draw for us, and he he was uh, in anticipation of it. And sort of the half hour before in the build up, he was saying, "Well, you know, the fourth round matches that everybody match ups that everyone wants to avoid the floaters. You know, the lower seeds. It's Raonic and Kyrgios, isn't it? But then the prospect of the two of them meeting one another, I hadn't really contemplated. It's. Um, I hope it happens. I mean." independently I desperately hope Nick Kyrgios goes on a run at this Australian Open I think it will bring the tournament alive I think 
it'll be great for tennis to see him really, really making an impact at a slam. Um, and Milos Raonic, fresh, fresh from winning Brisbane, I think he'll be disappointed with anything less than, than a fourth round berth. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. Now, we know what Catherine Whitaker thinks will happen. We've got the headlines from her so far and her predictions. Let's find out what Simon Briggs, the Telegraph's tennis correspondent, is thinking at the moment. First of all, he's thinking that the weather's pretty nice. Yeah, actually, uh, there was a heat wave in the middle of the week. Then there was a cold snap. And now we've come back to sort of 20 degrees and blue skies. It's absolutely terrific. And I managed to get... Uh, some kip last night, which took, took a little while. It takes about two or three days before you get any kip here, I usually find. So I was quite relieved. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I've uh, only arrived today. We come to you here at Melbourne Park on Saturday, where we've just been watching uh, Dan Evans qualify. He's had a, a pretty eventful journey through to the main draw, but this is a pretty big deal for him, isn't it? Yeah, it was another exciting match. He uh, had to... Um, deal with dropping the second set against Bjorn Fratangelo and then uh, he reeled off a bagel uh, to, uh, to to whiz through the final stages and uh, they'll be dancing in the streets of Solihull no doubt. They certainly are. I, I was in Solihull a couple of days ago Simon and I can tell you it was absolutely deserted when Dan Evans was winning his second of the three matches uh, but they were probably all indoors uh, following the live scores of course. Uh, now Eve of the first Grand Slam tournament of the year, Simon. The, the, the Saturday before these events is always quite, quite a bun fight, isn't it? With just an endless stream of interviews in the press conference room. All the big names have been in pretty much already. They're just going in one after another, aren't they? And it's, it's kind of like the phony war, isn't it? A few words from the players, but we're all waiting for the, the real stuff to start. Yeah, we usually get a sense of... Um Serena Williams's mood. <laughs> she couldn't have really have had a longer face today. She seems to, to, to uh, alternate between press conferences where she is barely going to give you more than three words per answer and ones where she is gushing and, and effusive. So definitely on the, um, the grumpy side today. And do you find that, depending on her mood, does that tell you anything about where she is in her game? Or is it, frankly, she just comes in and gives you whatever she feels like and then it's all business once the actual tournament starts yeah i don't think it's completely reliable but neither would i discount it entirely i think there is a an element of connection there and uh, i've certainly got the hunch that she's not really physically where she would want to be no matter what she may say i mean her coach has been giving interviews saying oh no it's all fine with this knee it had a reaction to an injection and that's all the the, the the issue is but i'm really wondering just how well her body's holding together and it's a massive year for her with the olympics coming up and anything could happen this year uh, which I, i'll be uh, addressing the subject in print in a couple of minutes yeah, indeed well that's something you'll be able to follow on the telegraph website and in the newspaper that simon's writing for of course it does make it more interesting, though, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, we don't wish anybody ill health. We hope for the best for Serena Williams' sake, and many of her fans will obviously be hoping that she can eventually surpass the achievements of Steffi Graf. She's so close on the Grand Slam target. But I read one of your pieces a couple of days ago, or, or today from a couple of days ago, Simon, in which you were outlining the things that you feel that tennis needs to have happen. Mm -hmm. And one of those was for a really competitive women's game and and that has been something we haven't seen too much over the last couple of years but I don't know I get the sense that this is pretty open actually given Serena's state of health I think a lot of people feel that Serena isn't the favorite here but that Azarenka is actually which is a, a strange state of affairs when you think that Serena's won um what was it 26 
Grand Slam matches last year. So um, Azarenka's obviously on red-hot form. She's, she's fit, she's lean, she's pretty hungry. She's won this tournament twice. Uh, she's had a, an interesting draw in which um, she's been kept away from Serena. Uh, I just, it looks almost like she, she is the player with, with the real aura around her coming in because ev- everyone is not at all sure how Serena is physically. And in terms of the women's tour as a whole, I mean, the, the big problem is that we haven't had a consistent young uh, thruster who's really taken the game by the scruff. And Azarenka looked like it was going to be her before she got her foot injury. And then you had, the, if you look back at the last... Uh, 14 slams Serena won 8 of them I think 3 more went to women who won a slam and retired which is actually really unhelpful I mean uh, well done to all those women and, and, they, and we, we on an individual level they've all been good fun and, and, and they've been characterful but then they've left the stage which makes it harder for the sport actually and for journalists like yourself who are trying to build a narrative that's really all that matters isn't it Simon Briggs Lee Nahr and Marion Bartley who the hell do you think you are? They, they didn't do us any favours and I'm utterly selfish in my, in my verdicts on players <laughs> if, they, if, they, if Nick Kyrgios is going to give me a headline every day then, then good luck to him Well now we are doing of course on this edition of the Tennis Podcast and over the next couple of days uh, on the Telegraph website we are going to be making our predictions not only for the Australian Open but for the whole year all sorts of different predictions that we're going to make Simon Briggs uh, uh, put down in writing and hold him to them. Uh, He's going to be taking Catherine Whitaker and myself on throughout the year, of course. We won't spoil it all for you by revealing them all now, but Simon, who is your favourite for the women's title? Here? Who are you picking? I think I did that one, didn't I? You're going Victoria Azarenka. (laughs) I think the the, the demented owl, as as I call her, is going to be hooting her way to the title. Simon Briggs here on the Telus Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. What about the men? Andy Murray comes in. He's, he's drawn uh, Alexander Zverev in the first round, a richly talented German player who I, I just remember my first um, real taking na- notice of him was sitting next to Richard Krejcik, former Wimbledon champion in a commentary box. We are doing another match entirely. We were at the news at the time, so we were, we'd got nothing to do. And Richard just looked at the, the, the screen showing all the scores and he just tapped on the name with his index finger. He tapped on the screen on the name of Alex Zverev and he said, future world number one. Yeah, I've I've heard people say that uh, a number of people say that, and I haven't actually watched much of him to be fair. So um, I'm going to be watching with a great deal of interest um, on Tuesday when when he's going to be playing Andy in the first round. Um, we, I'd met him yesterday for the first time, and uh, we were just, we were just t- talking together with uh, his fitness trainer, Jez Green, and um, he's got a real surf dude kind of aura about him. He's he's incredibly laid back, and yet. There's a lot of confidence there. It's really quiet confidence. I mean, he, he, he seems like a guy who doesn't need to shout about himself because he knows he's good, but he's not, he's not cocky. He's just got a real core of, of self-belief in there. And, I, and as a bloke, he was extremely impressive, an extremely good interview, and he's 18. So uh, when you meet some of these guys and, and you see the outstanding prospects, a lot of it comes down to who they are as much as what they've got in their racket hand, you know, or, or, or their fast twitch muscles. And this is a bloke with a seriously uh, well-suited personality to the game and, and a bloke who works really hard, I think. And look, I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen him play. It's embarrassing. But uh, look, he hasn't really been around the tour that much. But, uh, but It's going to be interesting to watch him play yeah. against Andy Murray as well, isn't it? There, there's a, I know it's very early stages. This guy's only a teenager. Jess Green was just saying to you and I that 
you know, in a couple of years, he's going to be really good. And, uh, and he's got all the, the sort of pedigree and, and the work ethic and that sort of thing. But we're going to get an idea, aren't we? And he's going to get a, an idea of, of what the level is like. And uh, I just think from, what, from meeting him, um, I just feel like for an 18-year-old, he's, he's clearly extremely mature. And it's actually something which uh, Kyle Edmund is, is, is really beginning to show now as well. I mean, is that maturity and, and, and that's that kind of common sense. And I think Andy had that when he was um, he's 18. He had a, he had a fire, uh, but he also knew very much what path he wanted to take. And, and that's a, a huge deal at that age because, th- let's face it, I suddenly had no idea what the hell I was doing when I was 18. Me either. Uh, generally speaking, Andy Murray's draw, assuming he gets past Verov, what, what do you make of it? Sam Gross is lurking, the big Australian serve volleyer in the second round. Mm-hmm. I imagine that might get a bit, a bit of a big court billing uh, here in Australia with plenty of hype. But what do you think of Andy Murray's draw generally? <laughs> well, let's be honest. If he, if he doesn't do well here, he cannot blame the draw i went through it have you spotted that he's got the lowest possible seed on in every round i hadn't okay so he's had the mathematically perfect draw i worked out the orders of that are you interested in <laughs> the, orders, the orders of him getting the lowest possible seed in all the four rounds when 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 it's uh, unclear are, are one in 256 so the bloke had some rough draws last year and it looks like all the uh, all the bad karma that, that, that was affecting him then has paid back and he's he's, he's got the uh, the dream um, the dream route to the final in which obviously he'd have to beat Stan Vavrinka if Vavrinka goes to the semis but uh, he preferred that to playing Roger and Vavrinka has got to get past Milos Raonic most likely at one stage earlier on in the tournament and that's no given the way Raonic is playing yeah um, speaking to other people around the tracks the guys they're tipping to play above their ranking here are Raonic and Dominic Team. Team or TM? I'm not, Team. I'm not never quite sure. I, I spoke to him yesterday as well. I didn't actually ask him how he pronounced his name, which would have probably been a smart question. But uh, Not fact, to worry. In fact, it was quite interesting to speak to him and uh, Zverev back-to-back because in some ways Zverev was more relaxed and, and seemed more at home, even though the team's been around on the scene for much longer. Yeah, I can believe that, to look at Zverev. I mean, do, do have a look at this guy playing Andy Murray. I mean, he is best part of six feet six inches tall he's got shaggy blonde hair he looks cool doesn't he let's be honest he's the he's the sort of character when we were 18 we wish we looked like that <laughs> wish you could play like that that would, that would be pretty handy too but <laughs> yeah uh, but you, you mentioned that draw and obviously the statistical elements as you mentioned are in Andy Murray's favor but probably the most significant thing is that he will only have to play one of Djokovic and Federer to win this title and of course those are the two men that have just kept on stopping him over the last 12 months yeah i mean certainly the, the concentration of, of sort of the danger in this draw <clears throat> is in the top half and the bottom half is, is pretty quiet really um and and certainly the bottom quarter is absolute dream so i mean he's got bernard tomich in the uh in the fourth round if if, if everything goes to plan um he's got uh who's the 32nd seed um, uh, Jao Sousa in uh, in the third round. I mean, we played here last year and beat pretty handily. These are two not the two guys who he is not going to be frightened of. He could play Adrian Manorino in the second, who discomforted him in in the US. But I look, Andy was so far off the pace by his normal standards at the US. I don't really think that was representative. So, what do you think is going to happen? You've got Djokovic, who's looked 
utterly dominant and, and won the title in Doha again, thrashed Nadal again in the final. Nadal's looking a little better. Uh, we, we, we've been talking about Catherine and I. What, what do you think we're going to see happen over the next couple of weeks on the men's side? Who's going to end up in the final? Novak and Andy, I would have thought. And uh, Andy's best chance is that Roger takes a lot out of Novak on the way in and you know, he, he, he maybe he burns up a lot of emotional and physical energy. But uh, look, I mean, uh, Brad Gilbert's calling Novak the tax man at the moment. He always collects. And that's a pretty good line, I'd say. <laughs> it's a pretty good line. Uh, just one word on, on the lineup of all these British players, uh, Simon. That we, We've got six now in the draw with Dan Evans having qualified as well. First year I came here, Simon, was 2003. We had one. We had one player in the draw. Uh, it's, I mean, I know not everything uh, is necessarily as one would want it in the junior game at the moment. There's not that many players in the draw, but I mean, it, it's certainly it's it's a nice lineup of British players, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, Dan Evans going through gives us six. Um, you know, Laura Robson is hopefully going to be making some appearances in in twenty five thousand dollar tournaments in the next couple of weeks. We hope. Uh, if she could get back, then then yeah, you'd be looking at um, probably the best we've ever ever had it on the tour. It's always great to, to have the first couple of days. Uh, we got two on Monday, um, Heather and Kyle both playing, and then three on Tuesday. And Dan hasn't been um, placed in the draw yet, so he's obviously going to add to one of those two days. So, I mean, that, that, that's great. <laughs> being self interested again, it's great. Just to, to just a final word in terms of how you do your job here with the time difference. How do how do things work? Yeah, it always takes me a long time to get my head around it. Uh, basically, you end up sort of working quite late in the night because the office are getting into the, getting into their desks sort of um, 9.30 there, which is um, what, 8.30 p.m. here. So the trick is really to try and make up your mind what you're doing um, before they get into the office, make your, make, make your own decisions, and then sort of present them with a free to complete and hope that they don't uh, tell you that they want something completely different and you have to sit down and, and rip it up and start again. So the next few days we're going to be reading a Serena Williams article. We've got Alex Verev interview ahead of the Andy Murray match. Anything else you got bubbling? Well, I think we have to do an Andy piece. <laughs> so uh, those, those are standards, and then there'll be a, the, the Dan Evans report, uh, and Dominic Team might, might make an appearance somewhere. He, it's a bit tricky. He, it'd be more convenient if he was playing on the Tuesday, so whether I can squeeze him in today's paper, he might have to wait till the second round. Might indeed. Simon Briggs, been lovely to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast. As always, we'll be coming to you every few days from Melbourne and giving you the best flavour that we possibly can of how things are going. And hopefully the weather stays like this, Simon, because this is lovely, isn't it? This isn't too hot. It's not too cold. Can you arrange this for the rest of the week? It's a belter. <laughs> yeah, this will do. We'll speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 